Welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. So glad you're joining us today. I'm joined by Christina Hathaway, and we're going to be discussing body dysmorphia. Christina is a licensed associate marriage and family therapist, certified personal trainer, certified nutrition coach, author, and so much more. She is a very high-achieving individual, and I'm so glad to have her on the episode today to help me discuss body dysmorphia. Before we get to the podcast, here's a quick word from one of our sponsors. Christina, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So for people who aren't familiar with you and Ignite Ambition coaching and everything that you do, could you share a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So my background is as a marriage and family therapist, and I practiced for over seven years in the clinical side of uh, things. And so my focus was working as an eating disorder specialist. I worked in inpatient, intensive outpatient and outpatient eating disorder facilities where I worked with a range of people struggling with, you know, anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder, uh, body image, body dysmorphia issues and the like. And so I, um, in 2014 decided I wanted to take a little bit of a step back from that, left the world completely and went into marketing. (laughs) Um, but really what the goal was at that time was to figure out how to help people in a way that brings me, you know, joy and gives me, um, motivation and all of that. But also is it something I could do where I have really strong boundaries around because, you know, working with trauma and working with eating disorders can be quite um, all consuming. And so long story short, I started my first coaching program, which you had mentioned is the Ignite Ambition, um, which is more of a life and relationship coaching program. And then um, at the same time, I went and got my certifications in certified personal training and certified nutrition coaching. I'd always been a fitness instructor since, gosh, it's been 15 years. And it was like, I would love to be able to put this together and create a program that allows people who struggle with eating disorders and the like to uh, your know, body image, eating disorders and the like to be able to get the nutrition, get the fitness side of things, but also work on the mindset piece. Because I recognize unless you have a diagnosis of anorexia or bulimia, you don't get to dive into like why you feel the way you feel about your body. You don't get to, you know, recognize the patterns that you have with food. You don't get to do that. And so rather than, you know, having to go back to this clinical, very kind of stale environment, I thought, what if I create a program that allows people to work on their health, work on their wellness and their training, but also work on their mindset. And that's where the mindset of matter came about. That's amazing. I love the holistic approach that you use. And it really creates a kind of like a one-stop shop for people, right? They go to you, they trust you with coaching for certain issues, and now they can come to you for everything else. Uh, So it really eliminates the guesswork and it eliminates the need to go from place to place to place to get all those different services. That's really amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I felt that the industry was really lacking that, to be honest with you. You know, you have the, you know, just training side of things or just nutrition side of things, um, but we weren't bringing those pieces together and how people were feeling and thinking about those two sets. Right. Because 
all of that is interconnected, right? Exercise will directly impact your mood and how you feel, and it can uh, impact how you see yourself. And one of the common things that we see with people who are into exercise, whether they're just starting out or they've been doing it for a long time, is body dysmorphia. So there's that concept that they just don't like what they see in the mirror. And that's something that I think everyone has probably related to at some point in their lives. So to start off just by setting the definition straight, what is body dysmorphia? Mm -hmm. So body dysmorphic disorder is a mental health disorder where someone will see their bodies in most, most specifically a certain part of their body or one to two parts that to them is completely distorted. Um, in most cases, you know, someone who's a fit woman might look at their stomach, for example, and just think that it is fat, they, they're overweight, and it becomes such an issue that it actually affects other areas of their lives, right? So it's not just this thought of, eh, you know, I could, that could look better. It is very much affects the way that they relate to people. It affects their self-esteem. It affects even can affect their careers and everything because they're so fixated on it that it causes anxieties, you know, it causes depression. And so um, it's all consuming. And you're right. There's everyone has struggled with body dysmorphia to some extent. If we think of it on a spectrum, for example, you have the people that I'm talking about where it becomes very extreme. Like this is where someone would go to a therapist and specifically work on it. But we all there's people all in between and at different stages of their careers, too, because if you think of someone coming down from a show, right, they just got off stage and now they're going back into their reverse you know, there's, there's a part of that, that, that dysmorphia is even higher. Um, but then you have like a mom who just had a baby, right. And the distortions that come along with that. So, you know, there's a spectrum there that I think most people, you can relate to some part of it. Definitely. And because it's a spectrum, people don't often start at the most extreme end of it, right. It takes time to get to that point. So when is it that people usually start developing these sort of habits? You know, most of our body image and our um, perceptions of self do start in early childhood. Um, specifically for women, for men, it does, it comes a little bit later when you go into puberty, right? And so it, there's this, you know, biopsychosocial type of um stimulus, if you will, right? So what initiates it? And majority of people will have a memory of their mothers, for example, uh, making comments about their own weight, their mother's own weight, certain parts of their body. Then we have the social aspect of it, right? Where we go out into the world and we hear, you know, oh, you know, 10-day fix, uh, you know, a flat stomach diet or, you know, do these crunches so that you look a certain way. And so now we see it at home, we're hearing it in society. And so we create this like shame and embarrassment over certain parts of our bodies. Um, and it can be different things, right? Uh, I actually have an example of this for myself. Um, that's actually counter to what we're talking about. I was in the dance world since I was three years old. And so being in the dance world, you very much are body focused. And my dance teacher was such a healthy inspiration that I remember, you know, as you go through puberty, your hips get bigger and 
she was just like, look at those hips. You look so good. Like she really promoted it. But think about if she did it, like, what if she was like, uh, you know, I don't even know what someone would say to, you know, a 12 year old girl <laughs> at that point, but people make really negative comments. So anyway, so you have this, you know, feedback coming to you from a male perspective, like you see the people around you get taller, get stronger. Maybe you're a late developer and now you have shame around parts of your body and then it just escalates from there, you know, um, Again, just that distortion that's created. I like to think of it as a filter, right? This filter in your brain that you can't see beyond. And uh, as time goes on, as life happens and your weight changes and you know, other parts, there are other things in regards to your body that you can't control, maybe medical issues or whatever it is, it just gets worse and worse. And that's where, like you said, on that spectrum, Maybe it just started with like, eh, I don't like this part of my body. And then as time goes on and, and life happens, it just escalates and the distortion gets deeper, if you will. Definitely. And I like how you bring up the biopsychosocial view of things because it's never really one specific thing that causes it. It's a uh, combination of many different things that kind of compound. You touched on individual differences. Uh, a good friend of mine and one of our uh, avid listeners of the show, uh, he'll he'll uh, throw some shade at me for this one, but um, he has a quad insertion point that is like halfway up his uh, thigh. So mm-hmm. he will you know work his legs really hard and he'll squat three four hundred pounds for reps, but he doesn't have any visible quad definition. He has what looks mm-hmm. like small legs because the muscle bellies are shortened on his legs compared to someone else. Uh, And something like that example is further exacerbated by social media and these different trends that we see in fitness uh, online, on magazines, on book covers, right? We all see this, you know, ideal physique and ideal body. And we don't necessarily realize that filter in our brain doesn't pick up that that image that we're seeing might have been altered or changed in some state, uh, some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe it's not a alteration in the form of like Photoshop. Maybe it's just a well-staged, well-timed photo where the individual, you know, they didn't eat for the past 24 hours and the lighting is perfect and, you know, their hydration state is, you know, this level and so on. There's all these little factors that can impact how someone looks in one specific moment. And too often we forget all those uh, tiny little details that go into appearance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Not only do we forget that and we you know, don't realize like a lot of these images that we're seeing are, I mean, they're a facade, if you will, right? They're, like you said, perfect timing, perfect lighting. You know, that person could have been training for that photo shoot for 12 weeks prior to, right? Um, but also we've associated worth with how we look. And you know, a lot of my clients who come to me, they initially come to me with wanting to look like that person, right? Look like the magazine cover. But when we really dig deep, it's beyond just this external thing. It goes into, I haven't touched my husband or wanted to, you know, have sex with him, or I don't feel like I can go socialize. Their sense of worth depletes as this external you know, view of themselves 
gets worse and worse, right? It just increases. And then as you're mentioning, you know, then it's just bombarded with BS, right? Out there in social media. And so now again, we're struggling with that, you know, external internal reality kind of working against each other. But at the end of, you know, end of the day, all it's doing is it increasing the shame, increasing the anxiety and embarrassment of, of who someone is, right? And that's why having a good health and fitness coach is so essential because this can be such a transformative thing for someone to get back on the right track. As you just mentioned, when people are struggling with body image and body dysmorphia, they don't want to do things that people do on a regular basis, like go out and socialize, like engage in uh, recreational activities with their significant other. Uh, so <laughs> to reclaim the ability to live the life that you want to be living and should be living is huge for people. It's transformative. And I think people often forget that that's the life that we all deserve to have, right? You know, no one deserves to go through life and not enjoy it, right? You know, it's too short for that. So if you are someone who struggles with this, definitely reach out to someone like Christina because, uh, you deserve better for yourself and for um, all around you, because this isn't something that just impacts one person, right? It kind of has a ripple effect on your family and your friends and all those around you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You'd be surprised. I mean, I, actually, I don't want to say you'd be surprised, but <laughs> the, the women that I work with specifically and men, um, but you know, a, a lot of what I do is, is work with, with women. But when we get down to like, you know, four, six months into this work, they're telling me things like, I am able to go run around with my kids. I was able to get in a kayak and go to the, the Girl Scout trip or the Boy Scout trip and kayak. Um, my husband and I are hiking more and taking walks and the quality of their life improves greatly. And it's not just because they physically can do it. They now understand like what was behind it. And we work on that as well. The motto of mindset of matter is what you say in your mind, you see in the mirror and vice versa. Right? So if you think about that from all perspectives of life, if I feel like I'm undeserving or less than I'm going to feel like an undeserving and less than parent, uh, professional partner, all of those things. And so at, you know, your, your quality of life improves greatly. And I think that as a, you know, the whole reason this company became what it is, is to help people do that. Cause you're right. There's this life is way too short to live in what let's just say to live in the, you know, ideas of what society has told us that we should look like and feel like, whereas we can create that, whatever that is for ourselves and the people around us. Right. I can't echo that enough. The power of positivity. So often we're surrounded by negativity, right? You know, maybe you're someone who works at the office nine to five and your boss is always on your back. You know, hey, this wasn't good enough. Redo it. Hey, why didn't you send this email yet? And they're always kind of chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And then you go home and, you know, your kids are hungry and they're like, when's dinner? Why didn't you have dinner ready? And that chips away a little bit more, a little bit more. And the cup that you carry uh, through life is always losing a little bit, losing a little bit, losing a little bit. And you can't pour from an empty, empty cup. So if you don't take time for yourself to refill it, then eventually uh, you're going to run out and run thin. 
Um, so again, I can't echo that point enough that you need to balance the negatives in life with the positives, with things like positive self-talk, gratitude, mindfulness practice. Um, that in itself could be a whole episode, Huge. right? The power right. of mindfulness. Um, mm -hmm. So when it comes to breaking the cycle of body dysmorphia, how, how do you go about, uh, where, where do you start? We've talked about different things like fitness, like mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Where does someone start on that journey? So that's a great question. I think the most important thing is just understanding why, right? Like, where did this, this come from? And one of my favorite things to ask my clients is close your eyes. I want you to, to think back of the earliest time when you felt whatever it is that they present to me. So ashamed of my body. Okay. So, okay. Where do you feel that in your body when you're feeling ashamed? Oh, I feel it in my chest. Okay. Uh, what emotion, obviously shame, but is there anything else you experience? Oh, I experienced sadness. Okay. I want you to bring those all together for me. And then I want you to close your eyes and go back to the earliest time that you felt that way. And the brain will go boop. It's like instantaneous and then tears happen. And then we start just recognizing it. Now, when I'm working with the mindset of matter, I'm actually not practicing as a quote unquote clinician because I am working in these other areas at the same time. So I'm not doing like trauma therapy. If at that time I'm like, okay, this is something that you haven't processed. Like let's refer you out. But I just want to put that out there, but say that the client, you know, we, we, we gain that awareness. Okay. That is true for you. Um, I'll give you an example. I had a client whose um, parents would shame her if she ate candy or any food they deemed bad in the home. And so she then would hide and eat that food um, and feel shameful doing it. And so fast forward, the reason she's coming to see me is because she's she has lost this weight. She's done really well in her program, but in certain times of her life, or, you know, as life happens, she's gravitating towards binging. I mean, she knows what to do. She knows how to lose weight. She's been in positions before where she hasn't binged on like a bad food. And so we work backwards. Okay. Tell me about where that even comes from, but then also help me, help me understand in the moment, what are your major triggers to engaging in that behavior? So it's that clarity of where did it start? And then where are, where are the current triggers? And then we work on how to, in her case, it was in that moment, how to reparent herself. You know, it wouldn't be for everyone in a, you know, similar situation is just like how to reframe it right in a way that is makes sense for you and your mature mind, because most of these things are created in an immature evolving brain, right? Developing brain. And so we reframe the negative thinking patterns, wherever that's like what you say to yourself, you know, that internal dialogue, um, we help to create self-care and barriers to the triggers, which could be you know, work stress, relationship stress, whatever that is. And so the whole idea is to recreate reframe re and, and process to an extent so that in the moment, as they continue to come, you can approach them in a different way. And what I like to say, and you may have heard this, um, from the PN nutrition certification. It's like, you've thought a certain way for so long, right? So you've been driving down that road, that road is smooth. It's easy to get down and you just go, but you need to take a new road. Like that road is not serving you. It's, you know, it's too dangerous. 
you have to create a new road. And so maybe you have to go through a field and going through a field is bumpy. It's hard. It's got, you know, you've got weeds and rocks, but you have to drive through and power through to create this new field. But eventually the more you do that over and over and over again, you will create that smooth, easy to ride road. And at the same time, that road that you wrote down for so long, that you drove down for so long will be overgrown. It will be bumpy. It will be hard to go down. And that's very true in what we call neuroplasticity of the mind, recreating thinking patterns in a way and doing it over and over and over again so that it becomes the new normal. And what we thought before, we don't hear as much. That's not to say it doesn't creep in. It has its moments where it like, you know, and at that point, my clients have so much self-awareness that they're like, oh, I thought that thought the other day, but I caught it. Right. Right. And so that's a very long explanation of how I would approach someone with body image or body dysmorphia. I love that analogy that you gave on the roadway. And I like that approach. It's very simple. Get to the root cause and then Mm -hmm. reframe the root cause while removing anything that would trigger you to feel that way. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's really a multifactorial, holistic approach. I can see how that would be very successful for a lot of different people. And I think it is essential to have some kind of system like that in place when you're uh, coaching people, right? Because if you don't have a systematic approach, then you're just kind of guessing at things. One of the things you mentioned was in that story there that it was sort of a family issue when it came to the relationship that the uh, client you had had with food and eating. And I know you do a lot of family therapy and marriage therapy with that clinician hat on. So is that a common theme that you see with family therapy, that there's issues with eating and um, overall body image uh, within the family structure? Or um, is there a healthier way for a family to uh, promote healthy lifestyle habits and promote healthy eating without it becoming obsessive, so to speak? That's so good. Such a good question. Um, Normally, when I have a client come in with body image issues, I'm going to assess the family structure and not just the structure, but I'm going to assess the relationship with food the client's perspective of the relationship with food and the body from, for mom, for dad, for siblings, if they're siblings, and then any other significant person in the family that that person has a, um, a feeling about, you know, that has contributed to the reason why they're there. Um, I would say 90% of the time, yes, it's the family influence, even if it's passive, it doesn't have an, and for parents, you know, they're trying their best, right? Like they're trying to be healthy people or they're struggling with their own things and they are turning to food themselves. And so for parents out there who are listening, like I'm not, you know, I get it. However, we have to realize like these little eyes are looking, they're listening and they are mimicking everything that we, we do as parents. And so, yes, like 90% of the time we're seeing the family structure in some fashion affect and influence the person's uh, body image. And so on the flip side of that, uh, I think that's a great question about how do we do that without being obsessive? And my number one thing to tell parents actually did uh, a presentation on this is 
looking at the body for what it is like this body that we have is so amazing and to teach your kids at a very young age, like how amazing it is beyond the way it looks can help them so much. And think about that. That's not, you know, like, wow, you run so fast or, oh, wow, look how strong you are. You picked that up or let's dance. I love dancing with you. So making comments about the body that have nothing to do with its appearance and very important, your own or someone else's, whether good or bad, right? Because if we're saying, oh, you know, her body's so, she's got such a hot body or I don't know why you say that in front of your kids, but you know what I mean? Like it's, they're getting the message. Like I have to look that way for someone to think of me in a positive light. And so that would be number one. Number two is not restricting kids of certain foods, right? Like good food, bad food. I like to think of food of what it provides for you, right? So protein. So we have protein to give us big muscles or carbs are going to give us a ton of energy and, you know, kids, they don't get into like the fat side of things till later, um, but not shaming fats either, but then also like not making food a reward, making it a part of their diet, you know, and having a dessert having snacks, you know, being able to give them a balanced, I follow the 80, 20, 80% nutrient dense foods, 20% highly palatable, you know, snacky foods and, and, and being able to create that. And then the biggest one, and parents are going to kill me when I say this, stop telling your kids to keep eating, like, stop it. If they tell you they're full, trust them, let them trust themselves too. I know I don't have kids, so I get it, but I am the aunt of 12 now, nieces and nephews, and I see it all the time. And I'll tell you when my niece is done eating her five bites of mac and cheese, she's full. And my sister-in-law is really good about allowing her to, you know, they make specific portions. Obviously when they go out to eat, the kids will split something. And if they need to order more, they will rather than ordering too much up front, but that helps them with hunger and fullness, which thus helps them with their, um, relationship with food. I think they're all great points that you just made, Christina. Uh, the human body is a amazing place, but it's also kind of crazy, right? It doesn't come with an owner's manual. So we're all just here trying to figure out all the different, you know, functions of things. And a lot of us, especially when we're younger and growing up, are still learning those things. Uh, but like you said, the signals it gives us are factual and truthful, right? Like when we are no longer hungry, we are actually no longer hungry, right? There's no right. mixed messed up signaling that occurs there at a young age, uh, for the most mm -hmm. part. So it is very important to listen to the body and teach people how to get in tune with it from an early uh, standpoint, that's huge. Mm -hmm. uh, closing out here, is there any other uh, thoughts or any kind of closing comments that you wanna share with those listening today? Mm -hmm. I think just recognizing the importance of mindset and for any person out there who is looking to improve their health and wellness, like really understanding the patterns of thinking and feeling and how that influences whatever their goals are or whatever goals they are trying to achieve. And on the flip side, the things that they are not achieving, like how is your brain influencing your outcomes and, you know, just recognizing it. Uh, if, 
if need being, you know, seek out someone like me, I would love to work with you um, and or a clinician if, uh, you know, you feel like it is taking over and uh, interfering in your life. But, you know, this is so important and we don't realize it. And once we understand why we do or do not do things, our our focus on, on health just becomes that much better. Right. And we now are this whole person and we're focusing on our whole health rather than just who we are on the outside. And it's, it's a really cool thing. It's a beautiful thing to experience as someone who gets to guide people to that. And so I highly encourage it. Definitely. And for those who want to reach out to you, uh, where can they find out more about you or, uh, where can people find your book? Oh yeah. We didn't even talk about my book. (laughs) So, um, to work with me as a, uh, mindset, fitness, and nutrition client, you can find me at mindsetofmatter.com or fit Mrs. Hathaway on Instagram for life and relationship coaching. You can find me at igniteambition.com or uh, Ignite Ambition Life Coaching on Instagram. And then, yes, I did publish my first book. It is a book about boundaries. It's a, it's a self-help book, uh, self-help comedy, I like to call it, called Don't Hold Their Poop. <laughs> and it's basically teaching people how to not internalize other people's emotional projections, how to set external and internal boundaries, as well as recognizing when you're the person dumping your stuff on others. And you can find that at that's not my poop.com and on Amazon. Awesome. We'll link to all of those in the show notes below too. So if you missed any of them, you can just click the link and check that out. Christina, thank you so much for your time. It was awesome having you. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you like this episode, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and share this episode with a friend who you think would enjoy hearing it. Additionally, if you want to help support this podcast and keep future episodes going, please check out our links below where you can support us directly or through engaging in any of our affiliate marketing links. Last, please make sure you check us out on social media at Braun Body and leave a five-star review, especially if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify.